we're talking about fruit. We're talking about good fruit. You know, the kind of fruit that Jesus said, this is what I appointed you for. This is why you're here. I've appointed you that you would bear fruit. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And here's why I chose you, that you would bear fruit and, and fruit, lots of fruit, he says, and fruit that would remain. And so he's talking about stuff coming out of your life that's going to last. We've been talking about the fact that the world needs Jesus. They need Jesus. And so uh, nothing else can compare to, to what Jesus can do. And this is what's inside of you. He's inside of you. And so when we're talking about bearing fruit, fruit coming out of our lives, maybe you've not heard that term before. Maybe it's never made sense. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Let me tell you what I believe Jesus was talking about. He's talking about everything that's of him, his character, his life, his work coming out of your life that you would be like Jesus. You know, when Jesus walked the earth, he said, I've come to show you the father. He said, I don't do anything unless the father tells me to do it. I, I don't say anything unless I hear him say it. I don't do anything unless I see him do it. Jesus was here to show us who God was. And then he says, I've sent you with the same purpose. I've sent you with the same love. I've sent you with the same word. I've sent you with the same authority. Jesus sent us out as many members of his body to fill the world with him. Have you ever been concerned that even though the Bible tells us people are going to trip over Jesus, Jesus is a stumbling block. You know that he, he, he's going to be offensive to some. He was offensive when he was alive. He's offensive to some now. Many, actually. But it says that people will trip over him. That's what the word offensive means in the Bible. It doesn't mean, um, you know, we're not talking about, you know, offending as in, as in assaulting someone. No, no. It's talking about being offended is, is tripping over. Literally, in the original language, it means to trip over him to trip over his words, to trip and stumble over who he is. You know, that there's something about Jesus that trips us up. It, 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 it's, it's something that, that, that maybe it bothers you or maybe it excites you, but Jesus never leaves you the same, right? And so when you meet Jesus, you trip over who he is and you either trip and look back and go, this is what I've needed all my life, or you trip and you get mad that someone stopped you on your way to wherever you were headed. Now, the Bible tells us and Jesus told us that where we're headed without him, is a cliff. It's destruction. It's not good. He came to save. He came to seek and to save those who were lost. So he came to save us from death. He didn't come to bring us death, but to save us from death. But he says, if you reject me, there's not another salvation. There's not another path. He's the path. And so it's good that we trip over Jesus. I mean, it's good that in your life you stumbled over him and you didn't just keep going on your path to destruction. You stumbled over salvation. And it says some people will be offended by it. Some people are going to be angry by it. That's not bad. That's good. It's, it's, it's good because sometimes that, even that anger, even that reaction, we are at least reacting to him. But have you ever been concerned that people are going to trip over us Christians before they ever trip over Jesus? Have you ever been concerned or, or, or noticed in yourself or even in the people around you that sometimes those that claim the name of Jesus, sometimes ourselves, are some of the most offensive and not in the good way. People aren't being offended at Jesus or, or who he is or, or who God has called us to be. They're being offended because we're being offensive, you know, that we, we've been selfish or hip, hypocritical or all these things. Well, yeah, we're human. Sometimes you see that happen. We're, we're not perfect people. And so I hate to look back. I cringe when I look back and go, you know, I, because I, 
I did what felt good rather than doing what God said. Maybe I caused someone to trip before they ever got to trip over Jesus. They tripped over me. But that doesn't have to be the way it is. In fact, our lives are meant to reflect the glory of God. They're meant to show who He is. Your life is supposed to carry the fragrance of Christ, the Bible says. The fragrance of Christ. And the Bible says we are the fragrance of Christ, but it says that fragrance to some is a fragrance of death. Like it reminds them that they're dying. There's something about it that goes, wow, you know, it wakes them up. But that's a good thing. If you're dying, you want to know you're dying so that you can escape death. And so here, God has put you on this planet not to trip people before they get to Jesus, but to bring them to Jesus. If they trip over Jesus, that may be their very salvation. I've tripped over Jesus. Jesus did not come along and affirm everything. He doesn't affirm everything I want or everything I believe. No, he changes me and I become more like him every day. And that's exciting. Let's talk about that fruit though. That fruit's coming out of your life. It's meant to carry the life of God. What you do, what you say, Even what you feel, there's there's a part of you that's being changed to feel as he feels and to love as he loves and to to carry his heart. I I want you to know that that's the kind of fruit that's going to produce life around us. You know, the work of death, it, it, it courses through the world right now. The work of death, the law of sin and death... There, everything is progressing towards entropy. Everything is progressing towards chaos. There is, there is a weight on the planet. But the Bible tells us that Jesus came and he's going to make all things new. And the first thing he wants to make new is you. He wants to make us new. To make him, us like him and to, to recreate something in us that was lost but now is found in Christ. So we, we know that there was a death that took place. When I came to Jesus, something died in me. An old self died. My own attempts to get to God died. But instead, what was replaced, what was resurrected was a new person in Christ. The Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, All things are new. Or literally in the original language, behold, new things. So so you're supposed to look at your life and go, new things are coming out of my life. When we talk about that fruit, we're eventually, you, you Sunday school kids know this. If you've been a Christian for a while, you know eventually, if we're talking about fruit, we're gonna find ourselves in Galatians, where we get that great chapter in Galatians chapter five on the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe when, you know, if you grew up in church like I did, I know lots of you didn't, but if you did, you were like me, and maybe you you had like a, we had these little cassette tapes that we listened to for our morning devotionals, my sister and I, and they were all about the fruit of the Spirit, and there was a song for each fruit, and you know, to this day, I think of honeydew faithfulness. I think of the obedience bananas. I mean, uh, I, <laughs> they weren't obedience, there was something else. Anyways, I think of those fruits. I think of those songs. I think of the song that went self, self, self control. We did that as a talent show thing. I mean, this saturated our lives. We learned the fruit of the Spirit because it was a part of who we are as believers. But you know, you can learn words and you can learn concepts, and they still are not necessarily part of your life. It's important to realize this you can't fake the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, you can make it look like you've got love. 
You can act like you've got joy. You could put on a facade that says I'm at peace. But really the fruit of the spirit is, is it, that life can't be faked. Just like you can't uh, build the tree by yourself. You can't build the tree. It doesn't matter what materials you have. The only way to get a tree is by planting a seed. Only, only God's method. I mean, uh, sure, there's, there's people in labs doing crazy things with seeds, but at the, at the root of it, you still can't create a tree from raw materials. Trees grow. There's, there's, there's got to be life. And so when we're talking about the fruit out of your life. You can't create a facade. You can't create the image of the fruit of the Spirit without it eventually being found to be fake. Plastic, wax fruit will eventually be found out. Here's what you want. You don't want fake fruit in your life. You don't want the image of a good Christian. You want Jesus, his life, God's power flowing through your life. And you know, when we say God's power, a lot of times we think of like miracles and and signs and wonders. And that's awesome and that's amazing. But I want you to know it's just as miraculous. It's just as powerful when God's power works through the fruit of the Spirit. Let's read about it. In Galatians chapter 5, uh, Paul's talking about the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. In fact, he talks about the, the Galatians that had been talked into going back to the Old Testament law and, and, and trying to do the work of the law by themselves. Now, here's the problem with that. The, the law showed us something. The Old Testament law was not bad, but it showed us our limitation. It showed us we could not reach we could not get to the the level of God's perfection on our own we were gonna fail and so it showed us that we needed a savior it showed us that we needed Jesus so when we came to the Lord we died that that part of us died and a new part uh, new new self was born God created you he recreated you gave you new life and in that new life there's something coming out of your life that you're not controlling you have a part to play in it, but it comes from the Spirit of God that's within you. In Galatians chapter 5, he begins to talk about this battle. He says in Galatians 5.13, For you were called to freedom, brothers, but don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole loss fulfilled in one word, in one statement, you will love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you're not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So have you noticed the struggle in your own heart, in your own mind? I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to live like a follower of Jesus, but I I, I feel that struggle. I'm fighting. I, I want to do what I feel. I, I want to do what I, I'm so tempted to do this. There's a real struggle in me. And maybe you saw that struggle as evidence that you're not a good Christian. or Maybe you're just not mature. And, and you say, I shouldn't be struggling with this. But let me tell you something. The struggle is not proof that you're not a believer. The struggle is proof that you are. Because there are people who don't struggle. They just do what they feel. They just do what they want. They just do what pleases them. They're not struggling with it. They do whatever they feel like. Maybe they struggle with it once they start to see consequences, but it's not a matter of is this right or wrong. It's a matter of this isn't working out. As a believer, when you turn to the Lord, there's a part of you, there's that old self, that flesh that says, I want to do what I feel, but now there's a fight. It's a fight of the spirit that says, "You you don't need to do that. There's a new way to live. And I will tell you something, the spirit will always win when you let it.
The Spirit is much more powerful. So let me explain that to you. Maybe you say, what's the flesh? What is the flesh? Let's define it. The flesh, yeah, certainly it's your body, but it's not your body alone. In fact, when we read the New Testament, uh, sometimes the flesh is, is, is your ego, your mind, your different things, your, your pride. It's not just your body. It's, it's, it's that part of you that says, I want to do this on my own. I can do this or I need to do this or I want to do this on my own. I want to do what I want. That part of you is who we were separate from God. It's that orphan mentality. It's, it's, it's I don't have him, so I'm going to do it on my own. But the Bible says that Jesus died for us, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and gave himself up for them. So here's the good news. You don't have to live for yourself anymore. Someone else is taking care of you. Now you can live for him. And here's the deal. He says, there's a struggle in you. But he says this, and, and this is the victory here. He says, there might be a struggle, but you were called to freedom, so use that freedom. And he says, I say, walk by the Spirit. You will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So if you walk by the Spirit, the Spirit will win. Now that, that phrase, walk by, it, it literally means, it comes from a word that means like rows or lines, like getting in line with the Spirit, following the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. He goes on and he says this. He says, For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. So there's the struggle. But listen to this. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. If you are led by the spirit, the law no longer controls you. You're being controlled by the Spirit. In other words, it's no longer about what you can do. It's about what God can do through you. I want you to know that's your new life. Not what can I do, but what can God do through me? That's what we're talking about, being led by the Spirit. Somebody put it this way. It's not being led by the Spirit like in the Daytona 500, you're being led uh, by a pace car. You're, you're following, like you're following on your own strength behind that pace car. No, it's like being led by a, a, an engine on a train. You're being led by the Spirit. He, you're not just following in your own strength. He is literally pulling you. When you choose to follow by the Spirit, you are being pulled in, into the things of God. You're being pulled out of the old ways. You're being pulled into God's miraculous power. This is what I'm talking about. Maybe you just think that living a life that Jesus has called you to live is too hard. I want to tell you it's not too hard because he's the one that does it. He's the one that does it in you and through you. Your action, your faith is required, but it's his power. He's the engine and we're being pulled. So he says, if you're being led by the spirit, that you're no longer under the law. And then he says this, now the deeds of the flesh are evident, they're obvious, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. So this is not an exhaustive list, but things like these. Now, maybe you start to say, well, you know, like, obviously, uh, these are things that people in the world do. These are bad things. You know what's funny about that? We zero in on the things that we're no longer tempted with. But I will tell you something. There's a lot of these things he just listed that people like good Christian church going people still haven't walked out of. 
we really focus on the sexual immorality. That's that when it says immorality at the beginning, that's the word porneo in Greek. You might recognize the word porneo. There's some words that we have today that come from it. It's talking about sexual immorality. And then he goes on and he talks about impurity, sensuality. In other words, doing whatever you feel. I'll do whatever I feel like doing. That's sensuality. It's, it's, it's whatever I feel is good. If I feel like doing it, it's good. And he says that's a, a deed of the flesh. Idolatry, sorcery, enmities. But then he says things like enmities and strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions. These are all things that sometimes we, we pardon and we say, well, they're not as bad. But here's what he's saying. It's still the flesh at work. And the, fle- the works of the flesh bring death. The- it won't create life. In fact, it will destroy. He's saying, come out of that. God's called you to something better. And, and, and these are the things that, are, that show you that you're following the flesh. If you're noticing these things in your life, it's, those things aren't the only problem. That's the canary in the mine. That's the alarm bell that goes, you're walking, you're following the wrong thing. You're feeding the wrong thing. He says, instead, walk by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Aren't you glad that he didn't just leave it there? Don't do this. Instead, he shows you the life you were called to live. And here it is. Now, The deeds of the flesh are evident, he says, but then he goes on, but the fruit of the Spirit. I used to read this, and somehow in my brain, I auto-corrected it, and I said, the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. But what's interesting is he doesn't call it the fruit of the flesh. He calls it the deeds of the flesh or the works of the flesh, because there's only one of these things that really has life in it. Only one is worthy to be called fruit, and that's what comes from the Spirit. The deeds of the flesh are dead, but the fruit of the Spirit is alive. It carries life. He doesn't even say the fruits of the Spirit, because you don't pick and choose. It's the fruit. This is what's going to come out of your life when you are following the Spirit of God. He says here, here's what the fruit of the Spirit is. It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. I want you to see that in those things, what you are seeing is the nature and the character of God. Why does he point these things out? That's who God is. God is love. In him is fullness of joy. In him is only, you, only in him is true peace. He is kind. He is good. He is merciful. He is never out of control. All of these things, he is patient. All of these things are of him. And so what he's saying is when you're led by the Spirit, when you let the Spirit lead you, you're going to find yourself, whether you intend to or not, you're going to find yourself looking more and more like Jesus, who looked exactly like the Father. That's what you're created to be. Have you ever wondered if anything good could come out of your life? Maybe you thought it was a personality thing. See, that person's just naturally nice. That person's just naturally strong. That person's just naturally patient. That person's just naturally joyful. Things don't get them down the same way they get me down. No, I want to tell you, this isn't about personality. This is about the power of God working in your life. And when you see this stuff come out of your life, it's going to change the people around you. You know, we're so used to being changed by the things around us. God didn't call you to be changed by the things around you. He called you to be the one that changes the things around you. People are changed. Environments change. Situations change because you're there. Do you think 
any place or person was the same after Jesus walked through. No. Every town he went to, every village he went to was radically affected by his presence. Some of them rejected him and some of them received him, but nobody stayed the same. That's what you're here for. And the fruit of the Spirit is God's method of using you as a vessel that he can, he can spread his life throughout the world. You are here for a reason. And this is what's meant to come out of your life. I want you to know that it is not you that's getting it done. You know, when we're talking about being led by the Spirit, we talk about being pulled. I think about Jesus. The Bible says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. For 40 days, he fasted and fought and, and the Bible says he was tempted in every way. He was tempted by the devil. He fought the enemy. And after those 40 days of not eating, after those 40 days of being beat and fought, he fought back by the word of God. He fought back by the spirit of God. He won that battle. And the Bible says after those days in the wilderness, he came out full of the spirit and went directly into ministry in his hometown. This is what I'm telling you. He, he, what he did, he did not do by his own strength. He did by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you do it by the power of the Holy Spirit, you don't come out worn out. You come out empowered. The Spirit led him in and the Spirit led him out. That's power. That's, that's what God's called you to. And so when we're talking about these, this is miraculous. I, I want you to see something earlier in the letter in Galatians. In Galatians chapter 3, he says in verse two, this is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? In other words, was this all a waste? Did you get born again by the spirit, but now it's your job to finish the work? See, this is what we need to address. When we came to Jesus, we knew we couldn't do anything. We knew we needed him. Once you start living a, a life following him, maybe you've started to believe that you can do this on your own, but you can't. And Paul says to them, you started by faith. Why are you trying to finish by your own flesh? Why are you trying to try to finish by the law, finish by your own strength? It's not going to work. Listen to this. He says, so then, does he who provides you with the spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Listen to that. Does he who provides you with the spirit and works miracles among you? I love that. Isn't that a great picture of church? God providing us with the spirit, working miracle amongst us, amongst us. Isn't that awesome? But he says, how does he do it? Does he do it by you working it, by you making it happen? Or does he do it by hearing? And what are you hearing? The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you are hearing God's word. It's building faith in you. And that's how God is doing these miracles. That's how he's providing you with the spirit. And so I want you to know that this, a couple chapters later, when he starts talking about the fruit of the spirit, it's the same thing. You hear his promises. You hear me talking about the fruit of the spirit and you say, I want that for my life and something happens in you faith comes you say God can do that in me God can produce that in me so you begin to act on that faith you don't feel loving you don't feel joyful but instead you say I'm going to walk in love I'm going to rejoice 
Ah, things don't feel peaceful, but you say, I know I have peace in Christ. I'm going I'm to enter into that peace. You, you don't feel like being patient, but you know that that's what God's called you to. So you stand even when it feels like you should run away. You don't want to be kind, but you don't want to be gentle, but, but God called you to. So you imitate Christ and let him work that in you. And he says, was it you doing miracles? Was it you receiving the Spirit? No. You heard by faith. That's what happened. And we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. So many believers, I know because I used to be one of them. So many believers look at these things and say, okay, let me try to make that happen. And I want to tell you, you can't. These are miracles. And it's everyday miracles that God wants to do in your life. But he wants to do it by the Spirit of God. You can't make it happen. But when you hear his word, remember, we've been talking about bearing fruit. You remember what Jesus said? When you abide in him, when his word abides in you, when you abide in his love. So relationship with God, abiding in his word and letting his word abide in you and abiding in his love. Relationship with God, his word, his love, his spirit. This is what's going to cause fruit to come out of your life. And it's going to be a miracle. You don't need to have the right personality for this. You just need to be surrendered to God. I want to tell you, you have to choose it, like anything by faith. See, no miracles in the New Testament happen by accident. Maybe a couple. Maybe Cornelius uh, uh, and his whole household being filled with the Spirit seemed accidental, but in reality, it happened when people obeyed what God said. Go to this guy's house. Send some people to go get this. Everything in the New Testament, all these miracles, even though sometimes they were surprising and astounding, they weren't accidental. Somebody had to believe God's word that said, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Somebody had to believe Jesus when he said, uh, in my name you'll cast out evil spirits. Someone had to believe when Jesus said, open your mouth and I'll fill it, that that's what was going to happen. Somebody had to believe Jesus when he said, if you'll wait in Jerusalem, I'll fill you with my spirit. Every miracle happened because someone believed God's word, even when it seemed impossible, and acted on that word. That's what faith looks like. So when you read these things and you go, I don't feel like I'm very patient, I'm not very gentle, I'm not very kind, read it and say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let God do that in my life. He says it, so I believe it. And watch the Holy Spirit live through you. He says, walk by the Spirit. In fact, this is how he finishes it. He says, against such things there is no law. And we'll come back to that in a minute. He says, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So that old self, the deeds of the flesh we talked about, that part of you is dead. This is the part that came out of the resurrection. He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Or let's walk in line with the Spirit. Let's follow the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. So here he's saying, there's a part you need to play. You choose to walk in line with the Spirit. And when you choose to do impossible things, but you're doing it because God told you to, he'll do the work. When Peter chose to jump out of the boat in response to Jesus' command to come, Peter had to step out of the boat. Peter had to jump out of the boat. Peter had to put one foot in front of the other. But it was God that, did, that, that gave the power. It was God that did the miracle. It's the same thing here. Say, I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be choose to, to say God can do this through me, so I'm going to do it. In Philippians, it says it's God who is at work in you, both to will 
and to work his good pleasure. So he's saying he's working in both sides of you. He's working on the side of you that wants to do the right thing and he's working on the side of you that actually empowers you to do the right thing. Both of those things, he is working in you and through you. So work it out. Let this come out of you. And then he says, I want to focus on this as we close. He says, against such things there is no law. There is nothing, no force in heaven, on earth, or under the earth that can stop someone that's walking by the Spirit. There is no law, no natural law, no supernatural law. There is no law that can stop these things from operating in your life. Consider this. There's a verse in the New Testament that talks about Pilate and Herod. Pontius Pilate was the governor uh, in Judea, the Roman governor of Judea, that sentenced Jesus to death, or at least allowed the, the mob to push him into it. King Herod was a Jewish king, uh, depends on your definition, but Jewish king, that was put over uh, a certain area of Judea and allowed to rule. The Romans let him rule. These two hated each other. They were enemies. They didn't like that the other one had control in those areas. They were not buddies. They were not friends. But the Bible says, there's one verse that says, after Jesus went before both of them, and after they both played a part in his death, it said they became friends after this because they were previously enemies. You realize that these two fighting forces became friends because they played a part in Jesus' murder? Do you realize that the left wing and the right wing of Judean politics came together to crucify Jesus? Do you realize that the religious powers and the secular powers worked together to kill Jesus? Do you realize that enemies worked together to kill Jesus? Those were every force on earth, every force in hell came together to stop Jesus. And every force in hell and every force on the earth could not stop Jesus from accomplishing what he came here to do. Nothing stopped Jesus from delivering you. Nothing stopped Jesus from dying for your sins and rising on the third day. Nothing stopped Jesus. Nothing dragged him out of the love of God. No force in heaven, no force on the earth, no force in hell could drag Jesus out of God's plan, could drag Jesus out of the fruit of the Spirit. They couldn't change Jesus and they can't change you. There's nothing on earth. There's nothing in hell. There is nothing in existence that can stop the fruit of the Spirit. Against such things, there is no law. 1 John 5 says this. It says, we know that whatever is born of God, or starts with God, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Whatever is born of God, this, this fruit is not you. It's God working through you, and it'll overcome the world. See, that's the thing. You were called to a supernatural life. You were called to be an overcomer. You were called to, to, to stay in Christ and to be in his peace. Even when the world is in crazy chaos, you were called to be in him, and he cannot be shaken. And in the midst of chaos, we're meant to bring life. We're meant to bring shalom, peace, the peace of Christ. There's nothing that can stop that. There's nothing that can drag you out of it. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. There is no law that can stop these things. 
Stop seeing the gentleness that he's talking about as wimpy. Stop seeing patience as passivity. Stop seeing these things the way someone would see it through worldly eyes. People were frustrated with Jesus that he didn't fight the way they wanted him to fight. People were frustrated with Paul. They said he, he, he's, he's really bold in his letters, but he's a wimp in person. And he says, they judge me as though I walked in the flesh, but we don't. He said, but the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. He says, they don't realize we're fighting a different battle. If you'll, if you'll choose this and walk by the Spirit, I'm telling you, lives are going to be changed. This is what the world needs right now. The world is identifying problems that they have no solution for. They have no solution for. Our solutions only make things worse most of the time. But you, you have Jesus. And He is the Savior of the world. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And the fruit that comes out of your life that fruit that comes out of your life is going to bring redemption. It's going to bring life. It's going to bring salvation. It may make some people angry. It may, may frustrate people. But you know what? They were frustrated with Jesus. Let's let them trip over Jesus. I don't want them tripping over me because I chose to walk by the flesh and lose my temper. Or I chose to walk by the flesh and be selfish. Or I chose to walk by the flesh and please myself. No, I, I, want, I want them to find Jesus because in Him is life. And that life is the light of the world.